0: This episode of Making Chips brought to you by the letter C. Here we go again. C is for
1: conference. Why are conferences so important?
0: Oh, that's the best time to get out and meet new
1: people and then network and learn about what's going on networking in the industry. It's so important to learn new ideas, to just meet people that could help you in your business. I mean, it's just you have to be out there networking. It's all about peer to peer. We know it. That's what we do here at Making Chips. We equip
0: and inspire people to network and to work on your business peer-to-peer sharing yeah absolutely it's it's critical it's critical to make chips but you gotta get out of the shop
1: sometimes absolutely
0: and that again is amtonline.org forward slash gfmc and this is going to be uh you only got a few days to get the early bird pricing up till through september 8th go to amtonline.org forward slash gfmc again what's the dates jason Dates are
1: October 11th through October 13th. And where is it going to be? It's going to be in Atlanta, Georgia, at the Marriott Marquis downtown. Sounds great. I'm going to try and get over there.
2: If there's a problem at step one, that step one problem needs to be brought to major attention ASAP. Otherwise, it just goes downhill. It just spirals out of control. And it's, you know, manufacturing is a lot like kindergarten. You turn your back (laughs) for two seconds and you're looking at a tidal wave, you know. If the sound of a machine tool removing metal gets your blood pumping, then you are Metalworking Nation. This is
1: Hello, Metalworking Nation. My name is Jason Zenger, and this is Making Chips, where we equip and inspire manufacturing leaders. And I'm here in the studio in Schomburg, Illinois, at the Technology and Manufacturing Association. And they were kind enough to let us use their facilities to record another episode of Making Chips. And I'm here staring at my good friend, Jim Carr, the co host of Making Chips. How are you doing, Jim? I'm doing well. I, I'm feeling
0: exceptionally good today and I'm excited about um, our guests that we have today and yes thank you to the technology and manufacturing association for being so generous and offering up a remote studio for us to record this special interview in today it's it's always great to be here and of course you know it's manufacturing centric and um,
1: yeah we don't want to record at random places you know we don't so record we wanna wanna in my be... doctor's office no we want to be in you know surrounded by machine tools and you know the room that we're in right now is actually where future students of machining get trained. I'm staring right at a book that's mathematics for machine technology. I mean, you know, that's we're, what you we're need surrounded to be successful. Right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so absolutely. it's great. I mean, so
0: I wanted to shout out to you and everybody else, the metalworking nation, that we're just about to hit two hundred thousand downloads. Wow, that's awesome. I know. I mean, just. Overwhelming is a small word used absolutely with regards to that. Who would have thought that we would ever be here two and a half years from our inception and, and saying that we're at nearly a quarter of a million downloads?
1: I know exactly. And and you know, this is at the same time we're trying to do what actually you know produces money for us, which is you know running car machine and tool and Zenger's industrial supply. So, it de- we sometimes we definitely have our moments where yeah, we're trying yeah, to we, balance, yeah, them both. we do. So, it's great and you know, just. Appreciate it from the Metalworking Nation for just, you know, the support that we've gotten and for listening and just the feedback that we get has just been amazing how much people have, have loved the show and just the inspiration that they've gotten from the guests that we've had on. I mean, it's just, it's really encouraging. That's the reason that, you know, Jim and I keep doing this. Yeah. And people like it
0: because we were just ranked number one manufacturing podcast by Apple Rubber. Um, there's a link to it on our social media. So, uh, Obviously, what we're saying and doing and bringing this information
1: to the metalworking nation is being well received. So Absolutely, it's, it's exciting. Yeah, and thank you to that organization for um, posting that about us. We Absolutely. appreciate that. So, Jason, what's what's new in the Zenger life? Got anything going lately? Um, well, it's it's the end of summer. It and, is. It um, is. Kids are back to school finally, uh-huh. so that's a good thing. And as I as I told you at the beginning of the summer, that I was going to, you know really spend some good time with my family. And I did that. And now it's, you know, time to get back to work. Yes, you know? I hear you. Time to make things happen. So, so I'm, I'm ready for that. And so that's what's going on in my world. And just, you know, still working through, um, you know, some of the acquisitions and, and really working on a process for um, what I think is going to be the, you know, the future of Zangers and really having something that's um, cohesive, that's going to help the manufacturing industry here in Chicago, which I'm really um, looking forward to that. Very cool. Which I'll give some more details in the future. How about you? What's going on at Car Machine Tool? I know you just bought a new machine. You're going to go see that pretty soon. Yeah, new so people working there. I know I'm letting all. I'm I'm, I'm speaking. No, for that's you. fine.
0: That's fine. Obviously, you, you know what's going on in my daily life because we, we talk quite a bit, and you know I'm excited to share all that news. And I mean I, I, I share it on social media, so yeah. the world is, is looking as well. But you got
1: a 9 access Mazak, right? No. It's so they three, don't have uh, 9 axes yet? No, not in, no not okay. in that
0: type. 5 axis would be doing really well and we're we're headed in that direction. We're just not quite there yet. But we did just buy a brand new Mazak 3 axis machine. It's we're going to take delivery on it in, in September and um, Ryan, my son, who is my operations manager and I are flying out to Cincinnati on Tuesday to see it in production and just, you know, we want to get excited about it. We want to meet with Mazak. We want to tour their state-of-the-art facility and um, and just, you know, have a little bit of one-on-one time
1: with the Mazak people themselves. Yeah. So, let me ask you a quick question sure. about that. Let's make this a, a real brief one, though. Um, you How know, brief so, should, it, should it be? A couple minutes. Okay. Okay. So, Somebody said to me just recently they're like, "Well, if you know, if you're not doing 5-axis work, you're going to be, you know, going out of business in the future." And I'm like, "Well, hold on a second here." I was like, "That's a that's a pretty bold statement to make." I was like, first of all, not every job out there is 5-axis job." That's true. You know what I mean? Yep. And secondly, it costs more money to run jobs on a 5-axis machine. So you don't want to run 3-axis work on 5-axis machines. I no,
0: I I think that would not be efficient. Right. So right. well, they're right. I mean, you always want to be pushing your technology. Of course. Three-axis has been around for a long time. But when you have a three-axis machine, like we just decided over the weekend, we're going to buy another fully integrated fourth-axis for one of our existing three-axises. So we will have all of that capability just in, in the next couple weeks. So we'll have a new three-axis. We're going to have a new fourth-axis application on one of our existing three axis machines
1: and, um, just a, a lot of exciting things happening. Yeah, I'd love, to, I'd love to hear from the metalworking nation um, for those manufacturing leaders that do run, you know, three-axis work and five-axis work. You know, what percentage of the, or you're quoting is is five-axis work that makes sense to run on a five-axis machine? I'd love to hear if that ha- feedback. If you have a five-axis, you should be looking for that kind of work. You should be. Yeah, but but obviously the, not the pie is smaller for that. Exactly. You know, could so I'd love to more. know that feedback. For, if you could, you know, call us or email us, we'd love to to hear back from you on that.
0: What is our phone number?
1: 312-725-0245, and we'd love to hear from you. Great. The next step is we always talk about manufacturing
0: news. And we I'm, do. I always share with the Metalworking Nation how I get that, but today's a little different, Jason. Recently, we've had this catastrophe in Houston.
1: Oh, it's heartbreaking. And I
0: thought we would just discuss a little bit about that because it's, what did you just say? It's a one in one million flooding event.
1: Yeah, so I was... Um, I listen to I get my news from from a podcast every morning. I don't really watch news on on TV. And um, at first, they, they said you know that the actuaries I think that they they're called said it was a one in one hundred year rain, and then they said it was a one in two hundred year, and now they're saying eh, it might be a one in one million year flood. And it's just you know it's of biblical Noah you know size i mean it's it's just i think it was like 900 trillion or Noah's something Zarr like that, that yeah they, you know. i mean it's 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 heartbreaking and you know they they said that if that rain had come down evenly across the united states the entire united states would be in like a quarter to a half inch of rain the entire united states wow i mean and it all came down in one Place in a short period of time. I know. I mean, it's it's heartbreaking. I mean,
0: over fifty inches of rain. I mean, we had three inches a few weeks ago, and my basement flooded. Yeah. You know, three inches. This is fifty. So, I mean, they've got five to six feet in their streets. Yeah. Well, They're, just
1: think about nine hundred trillion gallons. I I,
0: I can't. That t- see, to me, you could you could say a number of five times that it wouldn't I wouldn't make sense. But if you said it's enough to fill. The Great Lakes, then I can the I whole can... United States a quarter to a half an inch. Yeah, I mean that's crazy.
1: It, it is. It's a lot of rain. And, and you know what? This kind of thing does impact manufacturing. And I've got you know some examples. I mean, from a supply chain perspective, you know the the business that I'm in, there's m- companies that manufacture out of Houston. I mean, they have. I think I think when I read there was almost. 250,000 people that work in the manufacturing industry in, in the Houston. city of Houston. Okay. Um, that's a lot of people and it's a large percentage of their workforce. And so we have companies like CS Unitech who makes fabrication equipment. We have uh, Dorian Tool who makes you know tooling and tool holders and stuff like that just outside of Houston. I mean, they're having challenges. They do have people. They are shipping product. It, it's, it's a challenge for the supply chain. So I mean, if you're using product and you're used to getting that stuff the next day when you need it... It's not going it to be challenge. It, it might not happen. You
0: know. Did you know that Houston is the fourth largest U.S. I city? I know. And well, I went. To, I saw this article. Um,
1: I think Chicago. We used to be, you know, the second city. And I think we we're keep th- getting. Are we third, third now? We're third. So this is right after. This
0: is right after us. So, so I mean, I can kind of understand. But I read this article this morning over my coffee from the Washington Post, and you know, now they're starting to put. Who are they going to blame? Right. Mm-hmm. So what they're saying is. This city has no zoning laws, and that's what they're trying to blame it on is because they had such this exponential growth over the years, and there's nowhere for these, these waterways to go. That's why the roads are flooding right away,
1: and uh, the levees are, are going over the top. Well, let, let's be clear. This is not because of zoning laws. No zoning laws. I'm sure that it has something to do with it. No zoning laws could have accommodated for the amount of rain that came down at one time. Right. This was just. You can't prepare for everything. No. This is something that happened that nobody could have been prepared for. That's it. I mean, if this came down in Chicago, if this came down in L.A., if this came down in you know Dallas, anywhere else, no matter what their zoning laws are, it would be devastation. Just like just like there is in Houston. Yeah, But
0: they did say, and I'm just repeating what I read, that the infrastructure was not built to sustain rain like this, whether or not Chicago or any other major metropolitan areas have an infrastructure to absorb that much rain. But they're also said that the the soil is not permeable. Houston is on some of the nation's least absorbent soil. So that's another reason. But I just have a couple questions before we move on. Uh, to you, Jason, do you think it's going to affect oil and gas prices? Oh, it already has. Okay. Yeah, it's going to. Do you think it's going to have an effect on our overall economy? Absolutely. Do you think it's going to have an effect on manufacturing here in Chicago?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean- I, I do too. Yeah. I do too. And I to, thought this I was kind of relevant. So if you think about it, there's a lot of you know manufacturing companies there. They There could be tool and die shops, Swiss shops, general job shops. All of those kind of shops, all that work is going to have to go somewhere else. Exactly. So it, it's going to be impactful. And um, they're, they're saying that this is not... I mean, this is more rainfall than they had in Katrina. So granted, we've learned a lot since then. We're better prepared. So we're, we're reacting quicker to it and we know what to do. Um, but as far as like the sheer um, devastation, it's going to take even longer to, to rebuild Houston is my understanding um, than what even happened in New Orleans. You know, there's a lot of good um, nonprofits out there that you can make donations to. I mean, I'm going to talk to my wife about, you know, we should definitely, if we can't lend a physical hand, you know, at least lend some money to, you know, some worthy nonprofits to be able to do this. Maybe Zengers, you know, are right. Making Chips can do the same thing. Absolutely. I, mean, I think we you know, should. They they can need all the help they, they can get. I, I, know, know, I know you looked up one of your... Um, yeah, so the one, the one that I was looking at, um, and you know, the the one thing that I always want to make sure that in, in Jim, we had a brief conversation about this before we started the podcast. You always want to make sure that you give your money to a nonprofit that actually puts the money to use. As it, much it,
0: as I mean, I understand that there are going to be a, it, it, it's got to uh, get in costs. it's got to
1: get in the hands of the people that need it. So I mean, we've we've all heard these horror stories, even you know, like nonprofits that are. Um, Doing things in the name of like the military. I, what was that organization called that um, just recently went through some controversy because they were gigantic? I, I don't remember the name, but a gigantic organization that was supposedly for veterans, and you know, the CEO of the nonprofit is just you know rolling in Lamborghinis and and making millions of dollars a year. I mean, that's just ridiculous. So anyway, I give my money to to worthy causes where I know that you know you have humble leaders that are actually there for a worthy cause, not to make money. And the one that um, that I had picked was a company, a nonprofit called Samaritan's Purse. So I do know that they're actually putting that money to good use and that they're they're doing that work in Houston and trying to feed people and make sure that they they are well. And I did a little bit of
0: research, too, and my choice for a charitable is the Houston Food Bank. So, I mean, by all means, if, if anybody feels that they need to donate, to any other, that's fine. But these are the two that we are personally recommending. But I just want to leave it with this. So I was watching the news the other day, and what really got to me was, I, and because my dad is an assisted living facility, I saw this image of these women sitting in an assisted living facility in wheelchairs and chairs in their couch with waist-high water. And the one old woman is— Working, she's doing like crocheting or pin needling something, and I thought, "Oh my god! I mean, that's bad." They're just sitting there nonchalantly, and water is up to their to their chest, and they're just going. They're just. It was depressing, and. I, I tell you that you know they say an image is worth a thousand words. That hit home with me intensely. So, and
1: just think about—I mean, if you're a manufacturing leader, and you know we do have a lot of people that um, that listen out of Houston, and you know there's there's some businesses that are just devastated now. I mean, can you imagine if all of a sudden you know, car machine and tool was just wiped out? No, I you
0: know I'm glad we have insurance, but at the end of the day, you know, it's uh, going to be a big big roadblock for us.
1: Okay, I get the zometry thing. I understand how this works. What exactly can they do? What are their capabilities? Uh, Jason, it,
0: it, quite frankly, it's amazing what they can do. They do all CNC machining services. They do sheet metal fabrication. They do direct metal laser sintering, fused deposition modeling, metal binder jetting, polyjet 3D, selective laser sintering, And urethane casting. I mean, it's crazy what they can do and what you can do for them. If you sign up to be their manufacturing partner, they can help you clog a hole in your production to get you over that hump. It's a great way to fill in work while you're in between jobs. Zometry.com, Check it out. So, Jim, why don't you introduce our guest? I would be happy to. And uh, her name is Stacia Hobson. And I had the pleasure of meeting her a few times before, and I thought to myself when I prepared for this episode, I said, you know, I really think she's going to have an interesting story to tell, and we haven't talked too much offline yet because I wanna, we want to be able to absorb and get it all as it's fresh and it comes off our lips at the same time. But anyway, I do have uh, Stacia Hobson. Welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, and thank you for asking me to be on the show. I'm so honored. Oh, you're,
0: you're very welcome, and um, I'm really excited about uh, hearing your story because I really don't know too much about it. But let me just give you a short bio. Uh, she is currently the co-owner of Image Industries in Huntley, Illinois. Huntley is a, a, a suburb uh, northwest of downtown Chicago by about an hour Uh, She's a 30-year veteran in the family manufacturing company, and she started back in 1987 as a receptionist. She's a graduate of Miami University in Ohio with a bachelor's in business administration. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. So, uh, Stacia, why don't you just tell us briefly what image industries does in in manufacturing
1: yeah it's it's a very unique name and i i i couldn't even figure out you know just knowing the the manufacturing industry what would image industries do it sounds like a modeling company or something you know what (laughs) i actually thought along those same lines i thought maybe you manufactured like awards or something you know image i don't know you know so go ahead and tell us
2: we get asked a lot if we do photography
1: Oh, of course. That for, makes sense, for yeah. imaging, right. Yeah.
2: Um, no, we actually produce specialty industrial fasteners. More specifically, studs for stud welding and the tools needed to install those fasteners.
1: Interesting. So how did the name Image in- Industries come into play for manufacturing specialty fasteners?
2: Well, my dad, he he's a sales guy, and so... He, when he was coming up for the name of his business, he was thinking, well, what is it that I do? And he really is good. He's, in, he's not in a trained engineer, so to speak, but that's his mindset. And so he um, really sells application and application development, which requires imagination, and imagination was too long, so he cut it to image. And stud welding is very big in the construction industry, so the initial logo was image, and the eye was actually an eye beam.
1: Interesting. I very, like it. Very
0: interesting. See, it's, it, you You never know. You never know. So your dad is the founder of the company, I would assume. Correct. He started the business in what year?
2: 76.
0: 1976. Did he come from a background in this type of industry?
2: No. uh, Well, he did in a sense. I mean, when he was 24, he needed a job and went to headhunters. And my dad is um, a bit of a spitfire. And so the headhunter was like, I have have the perfect place for you and sent him over to one of our current competitors. And he started out selling studs for stud welding for this competitor and opened up new territories and so on and so forth. And That's how he got started. And he
1: said, I could do this better.
2: Well, he kept getting fired.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Because he's a spitfire, right?
2: No. Well, part of it, that certainly didn't help him. Okay. Uh, But part of it was, like many organizations, fire their highest paid commission Uh guy or girl, whatever. And so he continually got... Released.
1: (laughs) That's interesting because I just recently had a conversation with another manufacturing leader, and we had a discussion about sales. and I was coaching her through um, her sales structure and how to pay her salesmen. and um, She was originally going to like you know cap the commissions, and I said to her, "Don't ever cap a salesperson's commission. You want them to get out there and get the the." Biggest order that you could possibly get, and you want to pay them as much money as you possibly can.
2: Absolutely.
1: So that's that's great that your dad said forget it, because that's what's going to happen if you don't reward them for hunting down the big game. They're 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 just going to go. They're going to start their own company and they're going to do something else. And and that's so I'm I'm coaching her through how to come up with a a sales structure in order to accomplish that. And there's always a way to get around every question. So and your dad got around it by starting Image Industries. So that's great.
0: So what in layman's terms for me because I'm really not. You, when you say industrial fasteners, what would Car Machine and Tool buy from Image Industries? Or you probably don't even sell. You probably sell to the OEM, and the OEM distributes it and sells it to me. Is that right? Is it like a customized screw product? It's, or
2: It's basically... Um bolt without a head but it's not something that you can find in your true value or ace hardware or something like that it's very it's very specialized and it's a stud that there's arc stud welding and then there's cd stud what capacitor discharge stud welding and it's a very niche so i doubt that car machine would, <laughs> would buy n- anything yeah. from us okay
0: so <laughs> what kind of material is it stainless low carbon high carbon aluminum Brass, all of the above. We
2: sell, we're manufacturing all that, including Inconel, HY80, HY100, some very specialty alloys.
1: People that are doing structural um, manufacturing, so they're building I-beams and and they're, you know, building probably large facilities, they're going to be using that type of product.
2: So we sell to bridge and construction accounts, agriculture, construction, compact, Construction. Let's see, shipbuilding, power distribution, food service. So, is it?
0: It's probably imperial and metric both. So, standard English and metric threads. I'm thinking Predominantly threads.
2: Predominantly English. Oh, really? Predominantly.
0: Okay. What about special custom uh, pitches on those threads?
2: Typically, it's all standard. It I is. Mean, we, A one inch
0: eight, uh, three yeah, quarter yeah. ten.
2: Yeah, for um, the most part. I mean, we we can do and have done fine threads, but typically it's it's standard.
0: So, do you buy the raw material and then do you cut the threads there on CNC turning centers, or what part of the manufacturing process do you get involved in?
2: We're primarily cold heading shop.
0: Okay. And so, what, when you say cold heading, what what is the actual process in cold heading? Break so, it down for me, please. So,
2: <laughs> so we buy. Coil, and
1: we'll buy coil. Okay,
2: coil round coil, not sheet. And we'll buy it big, and you know, larger, so that we draw it down to size. Or I'll buy it as direct draw wire and feed it in, and it goes through a draw machine. And even if we buy the wire, because we want to make sure our tolerance is where it needs to be, and we'll feed it through the draw machine, and then it goes into our headers, and we have. Two blow, three blow, four blow headers, just depending upon what we're producing. And we make little, little parts, 440. And then the largest diameter I can cold head is one in three sixteenths diameter. Got it. And that would be the largest part I could absolutely make would be a one in three sixteenths by eight inch part.
1: So how many, how many pieces a minute are you making on the smaller fasteners? On uh, my the smallest
2: ones? header, I can make 10,000 pieces an hour.
1: 10, wow. Can you make 10,000 pieces no. an hour, Jim? Uh-uh. Oh, Not come even on. Close. Give no. me a break. No. you got to move faster than yeah, that. I know. I'm going to have to amp it up.
2: And uh, my largest header, 1,800 pieces an hour.
0: Wow. So is tensile strength of material important? Like I would imagine, because if you're selling these products to you know bridges and buildings, right. and high rises, the tensile strength of the material is is important. It is okay
2: for for the construction accounts. It's very important as well as for shipbuilding. All uh, oh, right, sure. Right. So we sell a lot of the studs that go into the nuclear subs in the hull there, and so they're very particular about their tensile, but. For the other applications, they're not nearly as concerned.
1: So you're seeing a um, a lot of different industries that you're selling your products into. So um, which ones are are you seeing the upsurge in? I mean, I, are they making more subs? Are they building more buildings? Are they you know making more bridges? What what do you, what do you see on the horizon?
2: Well, um, when Trump got put into president when he was elected. Mm-hmm. Uh, they released five new naval vessels to be built.
1: Interesting. I did not know that. And Is so, this top secret information you're telling us right now?
2: Oh, it might be. I don't know.
1: <laughs> well, it's not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> not you heard anymore. it here first Everybody on Making now Chips. now
2: knows. <laughs> and so those orders, they haven't been released yet to the tiers even. So first tier, I'm a second tier supplier. Mm -hmm. So those orders haven't even been released to the first tiers. And there's just a few select, you know, options that they have. So that will be coming down. So that's a governmental
0: project. So you sell to the government. Okay. Mm -hmm.
2: And if Trump has his way of building infrastructure and so on, that will be the bridges and the construction, which would also be an uptick in that area. And as far as you know your agriculture equipment, deer cat, bobcat, those guys they're they're on their own beat,
1: yeah, they're deer. on their own beat <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure deer has seen a little bit of an uptick just just recently, but um it seems like caterpillar is still a little bit in the in the doldrums.
2: Well cat is such a huge company yeah. that actually the part that we deal with, you know people. And I've had to educate my employees that when they hear Caterpillar, you know, letting go of 6,000 people, right, and they, they know that they, we make parts for them, they get very concerned, which mm-hmm. is normal. And I'm like, yeah, but those 6,000 people... <laughs> had no effect on us you know Mm -hmm. that division because cat is so vast that division had absolutely no effect on the product we do and right now as typical in the summer cat is on an uptick so we're actually last two months and we anticipate next month this month and next month to continue on their regular cyclical
1: uptick Okay, okay. So
0: you shared. You mentioned CAT, and you shared with me before we pressed the record button that you had won an award from CAT. You want to share with us uh, and the listeners what that was about?
2: Sure. It was actually very exciting because we do, like everybody else, track our metrics and so on and so forth. And Caterpillar is very – anybody who's dealt with CAT knows they're very strict upon their – requirements. And we were actually awarded platinum status. And CAT has less than 10% of their suppliers and their supply chain on platinum status. And to do that, you basically have to have zero defects and you have to be 100% on time.
1: Wow. And you were. That is amazing. Yeah, that is amazing. it was it was, huge. It was
2: is it, huge. Is it
1: basically those two metrics? Are there any other metrics that, that go um, behind it?
2: there is but i don't remember what but the it, other but it, one it is down, so it's yeah it's, it, comes it basically down to defects those to and, yeah.
1: and then and that's great i mean what would you recommend for you know a, a lot of the listeners are making chips they sell to cat or they they sell to a, another tiered supplier i mean what would you recommend for them if they wanted to achieve that type of status yeah, I,
0: I mean how do you get there i mean i i struggle with that all the time in my small manufacturing company zero defects and 100% on time i mean that that's that's a tough thing
2: and it is
0: yes
1: <laughs> It is. (laughs) But you shared with us that you were more on the operational side of the business. So I'd love to hear, you know, how you went through the process. That was a more recent award. So, how did you get from, you know, let's say five or 10 years ago or whatever that time period was where you wouldn't have been awarded that um, to now where you have received that award?
0: Yeah, obviously, you put some kind of change in
1: place. Right.
2: Inspect, 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 and then you need to inspect once again.
0: I love that. I love that.
2: (laughs) I mean, at the end of the day, and then to really communicate with your team about exactly what is going on and to catch the problems early. So if there is, you know, part of the, it's a multi-piece assembly that we do for them. And if there's a problem at step one, well, that step one problem needs to be brought to major attention ASAP. Otherwise, it's just it just you know goes downhill. It just spirals out of control, and it's you know manufacturing is a lot like um, kindergarten. You turn your back <laughs> for two seconds, and you know and you're looking at a tidal wave. You know.
1: Okay, so what exactly happens in that step one where you, where you address the issue? Like, do you have a um, some kind of event to figure out what the, exactly? How do you solve that problem?
2: Well, it depends upon what the problem is. And at step one, if it is in step one, it is typically, you know, a material problem, a machining problem right away. If it happens in this, you know, in our process down the road, then a lot of times it becomes an outside service issue and, and then calling them up and just diving in. Why, 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 why? Okay. Have Have
1: you formalized that process for, um, for addressing those issues? Well, mean, we go down do the same it, rabbit hole. Is it written? Is that what you're asking, Jason? Yeah, just a, a formal process that you might go through if you if you were to detect um, a defect in that manner.
2: Well, if we don't have a formal written process on it, because it seems like with uh, any time anything goes wrong, it's not a repeat item.
1: Okay, so you just have to keep asking mm, that course. why that why right. question. So why did that just, happen? And then they give you an answer. Well, why did that happen? And right. then you get to the root of the problem. Finally,
2: right. A lot of whys.
1: Yep. That's great. And,
2: and who said? And why? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get you know. a
1: lot of that from my um, four-year-old son. All the time, yeah, yeah, he's I always bet. asking me why questions, right. and you know, it's it's amazing the questions that come out of him.
2: I was listening to someone give a talk, and they they did a cha- they were championing, um, you know change process improvement within their own organization and they were saying you have to be five years old
1: yeah do you want me to send brady in next time you have a problem <laughs> and, and i'll just have him keep asking why and you know make you guys nuts. he makes me nuts all the time with his questions i love him to death but he asks right. a ton of questions so I'll, i'd be happy he only you know he's a hundred bucks an hour so you know i'd be happy to loan him over to you for a day there you go perfect making him money right away <laughs> you, can put, you can make him, him quali- making the zen manager <laughs>
0: So, what roles and responsibilities do you play in the day to day, Stacia?
2: Well, I oversee production and I do a lot of the procurement.
0: So, outsourcing, heat treating, finishing, buying the steels, everything? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So, my my question is you're co owner Mm -hmm. with who? My brother. Oh, your brother. So it, it truly is a family business. How many, how many siblings are in the business? Just my brother and I. And there's th- just
2: two of us, and we're both in the business.
0: I see. Interesting. And what about dad?
2: He is retired.
0: Okay. So he is retired. Yes. Completely out of the business. So you and your brother are the sole owners... Of image industries now and he's not has nothing to do with it. Correct. You two are leading the charge. Right. And what does your brother's roles and responsibilities do you divide up that?
2: We do. Unfortunately, we have very different interests, so it was relatively easy. He is big into engineering and he also heads up sales.
0: So engineering and sales, that would make mm-hmm. sense in your operations and procurement. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Is he a Spitfire like your dad? No, not, I'm not the Spitfire. Good. You are nice.
2: I always ask the questions, and he rolls his eyes.
0: <laughs> so, what made you to decide to go into family? So you 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 went to college, you graduated, and then you said, "Hey, this is where I think I need to be." Because I know I know how it all turned for me. At yeah all, time. Three us, all three of us we all
1: went immediately into the family business right and after school i never so. thought i was going to do it and um i don't know if you, you did jim but i i thought about it i I'm... never i didn't even know what my dad did until i started in the business no kidding nope huh so go ahead what, what yeah how, why did you go into the family business right away after college
2: I needed a job.
1: Okay, and, that's a good reason.
2: And like you, yeah. I had no intention of ever working making for business. Making fasteners. Yeah, you're a freshman well, at we Miami of Ohio.
1: What are you yeah. going to do? I'm going to make fasteners when I, when I graduate. Yeah, well,
2: And even at that point, we weren't making fasteners.
0: Oh, okay. So, so the, the business has evolved.
2: Tremendously. Okay. Yes. So he needed a receptionist and I needed a job and boom, there you go.
0: And has it all been an easy path for you and your brother
1: and your dad? And yeah. your dad?
2: <laughs> uh, no. Okay. So, no, be, I mean, uh, share that
0: with us because you know there's so many listeners out there that are probably there's you know,
1: thousands of people in the same position
0: exactly, and I they'd love to hear your pain a little bit, and and not only your pain but how you solved that pain point.
2: Well, I started in the business eight years prior to my brother. He's older than me, but he was off doing his thing. And so I was there. And when I started, I was only as a receptionist for maybe a year, and then went into distribution sales, and then into purchasing, and so on and so forth. And my father like Well, I can't say like many, but my father was, a, like I said, a spitfire, and he was not a supportive mentor.
0: <laughs> he was not a supportive mentor.
2: <laughs> no. His... Much
0: like everybody from that era was, though. Right.
2: And it was sink or swim philosophy with him. Yeah. And there was a time he, when he was upset with somebody in the company, he would fire me.
0: <laughs> would fire you? Would fire me. Not them. Not them. How many times did you get fired?
2: He would come into my office, pick a fight with me, and fire me. And so this happened three times. No. Yes. And my mom would call me later, you know, because she'd hear about it. She'd call me, are you okay, honey? And, you know, and I was, of course, I'm, what, 23, 24 years old, so I'm upset and everything else, and... Uh, so the last time, you know, I was just like, you know what, sister, this is what I said to myself. I'm like, you know what, sister, if you don't like nip this in the bud, this is going to haunt you. And so
1: you needed leverage.
2: uh, Well, yes. So he came into my office and I knew what was, you know, I mean, I was learning to know. And the funny thing is, is that when he would come to my office, everybody would like scatter. I mean, (laughs)
0: Could Could you see it on his face?
2: Oh, well, yes. I knew what was coming and so did everybody else. And, you know, and it was like a public flogging. So on this last time, (laughs) he comes in and I knew what was going on. And he picks a fight with me. And I just said to him, I'm like, why don't you get some balls? (laughs) and fire the person who you really want to fire awesome i love it
0: empowering
2: and i said if you don't mind i have some work to do
0: so get out of my office i (laughs) love this this is awesome hey jason are are you done playing that letter game g
1: f m c AMT. So many letters, so much good information to help equip and inspire manufacturing leaders. So what about this GFMC conference, Jim? Yeah, you know, Jason, I'm really excited about this
0: event. It seems like there's a lot of value in attending.
1: Yeah, we know a bunch of people at at, at AMT. They, they actually connected us with Pat McGibbon, the person leading the event. Um, he's the VP of Strategic Analytics,
0: yeah, you know, he seems like a, a pretty straight-up guy, and he's got a lot of good information. You know, I've got his direct line here. What do you th- What do you say we give him a call, real quick? Let's do it. Hello, Pat McGibbon. Hey, Pat, it's Jim at Making Chips. How are you this afternoon?
3: Hey, Jim, Jason, how you doing? We're doing fine here. It's a gorgeous day.
0: Yeah, same thing here in Chicago. It's about uh, 85 degrees and sunny, and it's a long holiday weekend coming up, and we're we're super excited about having the day off, and we're super excited about the GFMC event that you're having October 11th in downtown Atlanta. Can you tell us a little bit about what an attendee would expect from showing up and being there and being present?
3: Well, yeah, they, they'll get a chance to hear from some of the experts one, working about where the capital expenditures are going to be going for uh, automotive over the next two years. Another one's going to be talking about some of the powertrain drive changes that will be happening in the next uh, p- programs that are coming out in uh, 18, 19, and 20. Then in the aerospace industry, some people are going to be talking about the, not only what's going on with Boeing and Airbus and their battles waters, but uh, also for the defense industry and medical equipment, uh, industrial machinery, uh, and then uh, some people who are going to share with us what they think is going to happen with our trade deals, with our tax reform issues, with the structural, the infrastructure program that's that the uh, Congress will get to sometime probably at the beginning of next year, uh, and what impacts that's going to have as far as uh, new orders for manufacturing technology. So it's a really manufacturing technology kind of oriented uh, program.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like you hit every single sector that the metalworking nation um, is making parts for. So you know, I really think this is going to be a great. Actionable conference, and you know, it's if you don't know the direction that your industry is going into, I mean, you're going to be at such a disadvantage. I think it's so important to know what the future looks like and have a have a real clear vision for your company. It's it's you know, it's important.
0: Hey Pat, you know I have a question. You you know I own and operate a small machine shop here in Chicago. What would be the advantage of somebody of my caliper to go ahead and register for it and show up? What, what what would be the takeaway values that they can really see? You know, it, it's hard getting a small president owner operators out of the shop on a plane, get to Atlanta. I understand the value of it, but a lot of my peers don't. Can you can you just give us a little piece of why you think there would be great value in that?
3: Sure, for someone like you, Jim, it, the, the the first part is actionable uh, intelligence that you have you get there. It's it's uh, intelligence that will fit right into your your strategic plan, fit right into the kind of uh, budget that you have to put together, sales forecasts, uh, the kind of things your banker likes to see. And then what I really the biggest um, intangible plus you get out of this is the networking you know you can have a, a couple hundred guys that are people who supply the latest manufacturing technology sitting around talking about what they're developing at the at the receptions and at the dinners and lunches uh sharing what they uh, their problems are and how they're resolving them every year when we do our survey after the conference it's that networking part that comes right to the top saying that was very valuable i can't believe what i learned just from my peers
1: that, that's great. That is really helpful. Hey, Pat, I actually, you know, I get emails from you all the time with all the, you know, cutting tool data and stuff like that. I Pat's do.
0: emailing you all the time? Well, He's like, not me. emailing me all the time. <laughs>
1: well, maybe just maybe not personally, but I'm on an email list and, you know, Pat, Pat there's a there's a quote from you on um, one of these emails. As as, as you know, I sell uh, a lot of cutting tools to the Metalworking Nation and you made a comment in one of these emails where it said, cutting tools are an important market for AMT members to track because tooling consumption correlates strongly with manufacturing output. Now, now tell us a little bit about what exactly you mean by that and how that could be helpful to the metalworking nation.
3: Absolutely. Cutting tools typically lead uh, machine tool, uh, increases in machine tool manufacturing technology orders by anywhere from six to nine months. And so as long as you're seeing that's, that's starting to trend up and staying in positive growth numbers, you're looking at a uh, basically the same cycle you're going to have for uh, manufacturing technology. And to that end, this year we're bringing to the conference uh, a person from uh, IHS who uh, specializes in forecasting uh, the demand and a great rate of growth and change over the next two years for cutting tools themselves.
1: Great, very interesting.
0: Yeah, I have one one last question, because I know you're a busy guy, Pat, and I I really want to be cognizant of your time. But um, when I was on your site and was looking over the agenda... Something that really interests me, a manufacturing guy, hands-on guy, is an off-site tour of Delta Airlines maintenance and repair operations. That sounds like something really interesting that I'd like to attend and probably a lot of my peers would too. Can you give us like a 30-second synopsis on how that's going to go down?
3: Uh, Absolutely. It's the day before. starts around noon. we will go for about three hours. It'll be back in time for the reception uh, that evening uh, so you don't miss a single drink. But during the three hours you're gone, you're going to see the, the second largest uh, MRO facility for uh, aircraft engines in the world and the largest one in the United States. Uh, the, the vaults that they fire off these engines to test, uh, test them out are just amazing. The test equipment that does the electronics and, and hardware and non-destructive testing on the metal parts that they're taking off and rebuilding uh, is it, just uh, – it's almost like science fiction. And then for me, <laughs> the chance to see a couple hundred machines of uh, made by people from – my association uh, at work uh, uh, rebuilding and, and creating new uh, pieces that go into those engines it, it's uh, it's gonna be a pretty uh, thrilling tour of the facility
1: that, that sounds great. so um, here's what Jim and I and Pat want you all to do if you if this sounds like something interesting you know for our listeners, really go to the AMT website. I've got it right here Jason it's amtonline.org
0: forward slash GFMC. It's a, there's a link right there for register. Now hurry early bird registration ends September 8th. It's highly discountable. They've got a block of rooms at the Marriott Marquis right in downtown Atlanta, Georgia. Again, this is October 11th through the 13th early bird registration ends on September 8th.
1: Bam.
3: Stay tuned next week for the conclusion of this interview. This
1: podcast exists to improve the manufacturing industry.
0: And five, four, three, two, one.
1: It's kinda of like you've ever seen on T V where <laughs> they have like the numbers going. Jim's tried to emulate that. <laughs> you know what I'm talking yeah. about? We're for a movie yeah. exactly. Yeah. One more time. <laughs>